There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle of Boveda. This is Box Press. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne with Boveda, and I'm sitting next to Dean Parsons with Epic Cigars. Dean, thank you for being here. Rob, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here in Colorado and uh, great to be with you guys. Yes, we're in Colorado. We're actually sitting in a lounge right now. We're at Havana Manor by Smoker Friendly, and they have graciously lended us this space. This space is unbelievable. If you have ever been to Colorado or coming to Colorado or live in Colorado area, Havana Manor is definitely a good spot to be. Great retailer here. Dean, you have an extensive background that I definitely want to get into. Your first introduction is hockey in Canada, which is epic. No pun intended. Canada and hockey. How did you start out in hockey? Well, I I grew up uh, in the east coast of Canada. I actually was uh, born and raised in, in Labrador, Canada, a small mining town. Um, you know, and pretty much every kid in that town grew up playing hockey and uh, had an opportunity in my late teens, uh, 17, 18, to, uh, to go to uh, Laval, Quebec. And, and I had a short stint with the, the Laval Titans uh, back in 1988, which was that's where Mario Lemieux set all the Quebec major junior records wow. before. He, so it's he minor league yeah, it's, in it's high school. Yeah, it's the, uh, the Quebec major junior league. Wow. Which, you know, they, they basically you the prep you for the pros. Yeah, that's kind of the next step is would be, you know, for a lot of guys, they go from Quebec or Ontario major junior right into the uh, into the NHL. So, is, so was that your goal was trying to get into the majors? Well, at the time I had some opportunities and, and yeah, spent some weeks and months in, in Quebec <laughs> and then in Ontario and then uh, eventually moved on to university and uh, played okay. some hockey there. And uh, that led me into uh, a 10 year career in policing after that. So. so what was is it just the fact that it's a very competitive uh, opportunity to try to get on the major league teams and it just didn't work out for you? Well, it injury based. No, no, it's it's a highly competitive, highly you competitive. know, uh, sport. And uh, it's it's the two one, two percenters that really get, sure. get that opportunity to move on. And, uh, you know, I was a. Uh, a good hockey player, right? But you've got to be. You what know, position were you great. playing? Because you're a big guy. I played defense growing up, but as I moved into sort of pro or not pro, semi-pro or major junior hockey, I played right wing forward. And uh, but I wasn't a big guy. Like you What's know, I'm, I'm still under six foot, and there were guys six two, six three that were uh, sure you know, that went Towering on and played in the NHL. That yeah. Yeah, much bigger. What's so. what was the major difference that you noticed from p- playing defense to that right wing position? Well, just you've got to be, you know, I was a stay at home defenseman and and a playmaker. Then you, all of a sudden you're playing right wing forward, and you you know you you got to score goals. And sure, got to, you know, you're in the you corner. Got to be on top and, of it. Yeah, so it's it's an adjustment, but you know, you I was a strong skater? skater. I was a fast skater, strong fast skater. skater, and uh, nice. Yeah, I could I could hold my own. So. I can't do yeah. a hockey stop. I get on ice, I'm all right, kind of slightly easy, and I try to stop, and it just turns nasty after that. <laughs> oh, you that. can pick it up pretty quick. <laughs> you can pick it up for sure. My wife is actually a hockey player. And no way. Yeah, she does great things on the ice, awesome. and I just look at her and go, "Good job, babe." I can't do that, but it's great. <laughs> so you went on to be in the police service. What drew you to do that well, versus through, any other career? Sure. Through university, I had actually, uh, and through my connections with hockey, I had uh, uh, became, became a volunteer, an auxiliary police officer with the Fredericton Police Force in, in, in New Brunswick, Canada. And over the years, over a couple of years, as I was finishing university, 
they offered me an opportunity to send me to the uh, police academy, which is in Prince Edward Island, Canada. And uh, they sponsored me to go to the police academy. I went through the training and then, uh, you know, they hired me on uh, right after university. And uh, almost 10 years I, I did with the Fredericton Police Force. So, wow. Yeah, 10 worked, years. Yeah, worked in uh, uniform patrol and traffic. I did a few years in major crime and uh, the last four years I worked in uh, drug enforcement. Uh, okay. So, you know, and wow. I was part of the, the SWAT team as well. So SWAT? Yeah. We had a 10-member SWAT team. And, uh, yeah. If so this I, guy comes barreling through my door, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Just drop it. I'm out. I'm done. I'm gone. That's a, that's a, that's a wow, impressive. But being in police service for 10 years, that is just a, a huge responsibility and being a civil service to the people in your area, there's also an opportunity to be exposed to a lot of unique situations. Yeah. Do you have a unique situation that you're like, wow, I did not expect to uh, come into this situation right now? Over the years, uh, a lot from, you know, from really bad, you know, traffic accidents, experience things like, experiencing things like that. And then, you know, doing entries as part of the SWAT team and doing drug enforcement, you know, kicking doors and, and taking down, you know, massive marijuana grows right. and you name it. And then just, just difficult situations, you know, suicides, uh, sure. investigating murders. You, you have know, to wear so years. many different hats when yeah. you're in that line because you never know what you're going to walk into. You got to be versed in being that empathy or being that enforcer or being that uh, trying to get information from somebody. So trying to relate to somebody. Yeah. Interviewing, interrogation. Right. I mean, but it gave me great tools that, you know, I later took into real estate and and that I still use today in, in cigars. I mean, everything is is relationship based and, right. you know, gaining people's trust, learning, uh, being aware of your surrounding situations and and just, you know, having good communication skills, you know, which which all of those things as life has kind of gone on over the years have, have helped me grow and in every business opportunity that's that's come. Right. Do you think you're a better negotiator for real estate uh, transactions now because of your police? For sure. Yeah? Yeah. You just know how to, Yeah. I, I find that too, because I do real estate on the side and it's like yeah. some real estate agents, man, they just like to play hardball and it's like, come on now, let's work together. Let's find in, we both want the same outcome. Correct. You want to sell, I want to provide you a buyer, or vice versa. Well, and at, at the end of the day, people, when it comes to real estate or cigars, people, want to do business with people they like they want to right. do business with people they trust and when you're you know for example in, in turks and caicos and even in the dominican real estate you're, you're it's never a scenario where you're going to throw in the mats as part of the you know you're selling the car you're going to throw in the mats for free right it's people are buying investing in you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a million dollar real estate they want to work with someone they trust and and know and, and have so your goal as an agent is to build that trust with the other agent uh, you already got the trust on your client side, but now you got to build it with this new agent exactly. and realize that you're both working towards the same goal. Yeah. 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 So in Kirk's and uh, Turks and Caicos, you're selling real estate to the Dominican government or was it just no, to Dominican no, people? No, that no, no. Uh, in Turks and Caicos, we were basically the customer base there was largely uh, U.S. and Canadian investors coming in there okay. to buy second or third vacation homes or so the normal properties. public is coming in, wants mm -hmm. to have a nice vacation home. You're helping them out. You lived there at the time. Yeah, lived You're there living from there. 2005 to 2009. 
Wow. Yeah, so saw a lot of incredible growth in that area, but also towards the end of late 08, obviously the, the, the sort of worldwide market crash. And sure. uh, we had just opened our first property at that time and uh, were actually pre-selling a second hotel and had, had taken millions of dollars in, in uh, reservations and had money sitting in escrow and we were waiting to break ground at the end of 08 and then everything oh. stopped and it was it was all over I mean, a lot of projects got stopped yeah and abandoned essentially, a lot of money right? left on the table yeah. right yeah because all that money then went where to the banks well, no went back to all the money that we the had investors? for our projects went back to the you know the sure. investors which was great in some situations in real estate that didn't it happen, does, yeah it doesn't know, always happen people lost their money so we were fortunate that everybody you know, got back their deposits and things they had, yeah. they had, had put in with us. So, but living that island island lifestyle, so you're in Turks and Caicos, you're living it. It's expensive to live there, isn't it? Yeah. So it's expensive. Cost of living is massive there, uh, and you know, but the money there was money to be made as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. but just groceries, everyday things. I mean, a uh, 24 Corona in Turks and Caicos in 2007 was sixty dollars. Sixty dollars for yeah. a case of beer. A case of beer. Yeah. Holy cow! Is that just because of everything coming in? Everything via... imported, groceries, wow. carton of milk, eight bucks. Eight dollars. Yeah. For milk. Yeah. What did you live off of? <laughs> just, Nothing. No, you just you know you you're just, making the money, but you're it's going out it's as going fast out as the it's door. coming in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a tough lifestyle. So you're, I hear the story that you're at a bar. And you meet somebody who's a cigar blender and you guys decide to, because you were in factories, touring factories, you were buying cigars for your real estate clients that you would come and they would go golfing and you had to have, because there wasn't anything there for you to buy, right? There was there was very few premium cigars in the Dominican at that time, you know, between 2005 and 2000. Eight nine, and so in 2006, I started traveling to the Dominican. I, you know, I go to do the Fuente factory tour, Davidoff or La Aurora tours, and I would always bring cigars back. And I had a cabinet humidor in our office, and just had cigars for my customers. And in 2007, I was in the Dominican buying cigars. Met a guy actually at a bar. His name was Eddie Fontana. Uh, he was. He had a small factory, but he had also been doing business with Rolando, who runs our factory now, Rolando Via Mill, and sure. introduced me to Rolando later. And we actually blended a cigar called the Turk Select, which was uh, a cigar for the Turks and Caicos Islands. Uh, light-bodied cigar, Sumatra wrapper, Dominican binder, Dominican Nicaraguan filler. And uh, I placed it in a lot of the hotels and restaurants and resorts in Turks and Caicos. And, uh, and that was sort of my first real experience of you know, blending and creating a cigar with people that, you know, really knew how to do that. Sure. You were helping him blend it. Yeah. Yeah. And he was kind of teaching you and you were Mm -hmm. also kind of learning what you liked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you're blending this cigar. You're, well, you were selling what, 50,000 cigars? Uh, Probably all in all. Okay. Towards the the end. Yeah. We started out 5,000 and 10,000 and we kind of grew from there. As I said, it was only on the island. So Only available in in Turks and Caicos. Hotels, restaurants, and the duty-free stores, and uh, and it was retailing at twenty-five dollars a cigar. Ooh, yeah, I mean, Boy, people are paying five hundred, a thousand a night for a hotel room. They're not going to buy a ten-dollar cigar, right? So we priced it, and and at 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 the at the retail point, 
they were selling at $25 a cigar and even higher in some of the properties. So wow. it was it was an interesting time. Uh, but, but it built your experience in cigars. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding what it takes to get distribution and get things rolling. Mm-hmm. Do you still do real estate today? No, I uh, I finished real estate in 2012. Epic, okay. you know, I started in 2010. So after the market crash in late 08, I relocated to the Dominican Republic with a second real estate group. Uh, the developer was based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We had an office for a short time in, in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And then I relocated permanently to the Dominican. And we had that project until 2012. And I was between 2010 and 12, I was, you know, I had figured out the name. I knew I wanted to, to stay in the cigar industry, but wanted to come up with a name and a brand that I could market. How did you come up with the name? You just... I was searching names for months and... I what was, were some of the first ones you searched? If I, you remember. I, I couldn't even tell you, but... But just anything you were like, this is not available. Yeah, already- and you just start Googling names and, and I was actually sitting on the beach in, in the Dominican and I, I learned a kiteboard uh, during my time in Turks and Caicos and live in that island lifestyle. Live in the island life. And, <laughs> and then when I moved to Dominican, I actually ended up living in Cabarete in the Dominican Republic, which is, is probably top 10 places to kiteboard in the world. And obviously Whoa, continued, in continued kiting. And a friend of mine from Hatteras in North Carolina has a company called Epic Kiteboarding. And Ooh. I was sitting on the beach just having drinks with some friends. And I said, you know what? Jeez, I wonder if Epic Cigars is available and I googled it on GoDaddy and it came up on my phone you know I was drinking a margarita and sure. I bought it I bought it right there right on the beach you're like I gotta and get this now yeah I bought get the dot now. com and then you know shortly thereafter I started the trademark process because I said how can this name still be available it's, right you know it's 2010 I think uh, somebody would have bought it just to yeah. sit on it yeah so I bought it and then started the trademark process and then uh, right around 2012 I actually received the trademark and had you know the epic maduro and epic corojo were already in the market at that point and so you're uh, doing real estate and cigars at the same time but living time. in the dominican republic yeah dude what yeah. is it like to live in an in an island or or a kind of that luxury it's, lifestyle does it wane is it like eventually you're just like oh it's another it's another place it's no it's i mean i love it uh the dominican the people turks and caicos is a little bit different it's more high-end luxury real estate uh, diff- completely different price points. I mean, there are some obviously higher end price point places in the Dominican as well. You know, like places like Cap Cana and Punta Cana that are, you know, you're you're buying million dollar properties. Right. Uh, the Dominican, they have those properties as well. But uh, the area where we were developing, you know, you could buy a home for you know under half a million dollars and up to you know two million dollar penthouses. Sure. So. I uh, had an opportunity, met a lot of people, had a place on the beach there for almost nine years. I just wow. relocated this year to, you know, to the United States. Where are you living now? So I'm in uh, North Miami. North I'm Miami. right now. Okay. So, so in yeah. Florida. Yeah. yeah. Still get, still close enough to the beach. I like the warm weather. Yeah. I can still kiteboard there, surf really? a little bit, paddleboard. And, Wonderful. Uh, you know, do a lot of boating with friends there. So, yeah. Yeah, because you also like to, so you like surfing. I've never done surfing. I need to try it. Is it hard? It's 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 hard to be good. It's, it's hard to be good. It's like one of those you can get up sports. right, like stand you can on get the board up for a couple it. seconds and fall. But yeah, yeah, it's as, it's harder than it than it looks. Yeah, yeah. moving around and yeah. stuff like that. That's that's got to be hard. Yeah. Can you do all that? 
Uh, oh, yeah. I've been surfing probably since 2010, you know, since I moved to oh, Dominican. Man. I'm not we, a great surfer. So here's by any a challenge. Stretch, but. Challenge you to get some surfing photos on your Instagram. We'll get That's it. what we want to see. Sure, sure. Some I mean, the kiteboarding photos. stuff is there, but. Hashtag make epic surf again. <laughs> That's what I'm saying right there. So you also enjoy motorcycles? Yeah. What type? Are we talking crotch rocket or cruisers? Uh, growing up had, you know, the crotch rockets for years. And then as I got a little older, moved into Harley Davidson's and really developed sure. a passion for that. I still ride a lot. I, I sold my last Harley before I moved from Canada to Turks okay. and Caicos, which was, you know, 2005. Sure. Uh, but I still, we, we still rent a lot and we get down to the keys. And Is it fun riding a motorcycle on an island or does it get kind of like, you're like, okay, this is as far as I can go? Well, on the island, we I did a lot of enduro riding. So motocross uh, in the mm. mountains and trail riding in the Dominican. Not on um, the road. It's not more, on the road. It's so great much. to see the countryside on those. It's a little safer uh, <laughs> in the mountains on, on an enduro bike in the Dominican as opposed to, you know, being sure. on the highway so yeah is it kind of crazy driving down there yeah yeah, yeah. especially you get into the big city you get into San and you're Domingo. the little guy on the road with the yeah big... and there's motos everywhere there's thousands of them really it's the and easiest way to get around it is but there's you get a lot of accidents a lot of people <laughs> are, are getting hurt on those just those little you know 50 to 100 cc right. motorcycles so yeah right well i recently just bought a house I'm sure a bunch of other people out there are either going to buy a house or obviously invest in real estate. What's your number one advice to give to somebody if they're going to look to invest in real estate? In real estate, the biggest thing I, I tell people is, is, you know, do your homework and invest in, in what you know, in an area, you know, or if you're going to invest, invest in something you want to use and keep sure. because your returns don't always come. You're, you know, do your homework, do your homework on as far as, you know, the countries you want to invest in, the areas, find out what the price points are, you know, really do your your homework and educate yourself because just because a, a unit is priced at X doesn't mean that's the value of it. Sure. And a lot of times the market, you know, drives these prices up or down. So you really need to buy, you know, when the, when obviously when the when the price is low and, and right. you know, start out with that initial investment or. If you're going to buy it and use it, you know, and hang on to it long term, then, you know, you're always going to get your return. But right. um, the days of flipping, depending where you are in the world, aren't as yeah, lucrative, not as lucrative. lucrative as they were in the past. Yeah. My advice would be to make sure you pick the right agent. I think that goes a long way. The right agent that wants to, to work with you, like you said, that motivation. Do you know what the price is? The agent should know. You know, yeah. give you. And then also your agent should know your motivation. So, and how well they're good at negotiating those skills when you want to go to close on that property. Mm -hmm. That's key. Like you said, you want to work with people that uh, they like. So yeah. if you don't like your agent or the agent is, doesn't get along with other people, that's tough. So that's my advice. Um, the start of Epic, we've heard the buying the brand name. You got the idea. 2012, we launch Epic. Pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what hardships came to get to that point, though? Because it can't be as simple as just bought the name, I'm ready to go. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, working on the cigars and coming up with the blends is probably, you know, the funnest part of the business. But, you know, and then obviously box design, logo design, all that stuff is super fun. But 
all of a sudden you start selling, you know, you do that first production of 5,000, 10,000, then you get to 100,000 cigars, you know, a couple of years later, and then you get to 200, 300,000 cigars, and you're like, oh shit, you know, how am I gonna, right. how am I gonna get to half a million cigars? How am I gonna, how am I gonna continue to sell 200, 300,000 cigars a year? Right. Um, Is it and because of the product? And, like you don't have enough tobacco or what? No, you- it's, it's not that, it's just financially having the support of, okay. of having enough cigars that are aging, you know, on an annual basis, having enough box inventory. So it's basically, it comes down flow. to cash flow, you okay. know, having that cash flow. And, and, you know, I put a lot of them, basically everything I've worked for over the years, I put into Epic and had investment over a period of between 2000, you know, 10 outside, really, investment? outside investment between 2010 and even uh, 2000. Wow. 18 um but it's so you still, risked it all you literally signing some big checks that you're like i don't know if i'm gonna get this back well and you it's got to keep going back into the business or you're not going to get there and right. that was the challenge you know you you hire salespeople, you get people on the road and all of a sudden they're selling you know two or three hundred thousand in the territory and you've got to make sure you're there you've got the product it's aged it's ready to go and uh it's, That's uh, the it's last tough. thing you want to do is bring out a product that is not properly aged or the quality is not there. Because then at the end of the day, that could just kill the, the entire momentum you've been building. What did you what were you doing with the blender and the and the factory to make sure that that wasn't happening? Well, I was, you know, been very blessed that, you know, the factory supported me. They saw the growth that I have had over the years. And so they were basically even our factory had financed me for a period of time so sure. i could keep cigars in production keep cigars aging so you know it kept me moving forward right but you know as you grow you you just need the the bigger you get the more money you need exactly to keep to keep moving forward so right. yeah and distribution sales now with your partnership with xander greg what has that done for you to allow you to grow more well it's it's life-changing i mean uh arthur uh the owner of xander greg acquired epic at the beginning of this year um, we've been talking for four years wow had, that we, long yeah we had met four years ago in the dominican wow. and you know met at the shows over the years of the ipcpr and uh he obviously took an interest in me took an interest in the brand and saw you know the struggles that uh, that i was going through and you know there's always people that want to invest in cigars it's a cool thing you know people that have money want to be part of a cigar brand but if you don't understand the logistics of cigars and what it takes and the distribution the the sales the inventory uh it's a challenge and you can't grow with if you just have money and you want to be in cigars you're not necessarily going to be be gone it's going to be gone (laughs) so so to have a partner now that understands the business and is actually all the aspects of the business from distribution, from blending, sales, marketing, and to have brands that date back, you know, the Nat Seco, the National Cigar Company dates back to 1965. And right. to be part of that. Years and, of experience. And yeah, years of experience and knowledge and, uh, you know, a great distribution base and partnerships already in the industry. It's, it's been great. It's been literally a, a, a huge sigh of relief to to know I have that sure. support moving forward for Epic and for our retailers and customers. We're seeing you out on the road a lot, obviously through social media. 
have you always been out on the road a lot or has that also been a thing where you're like i can't always go out on the road because it costs money to be out there right so in the past prior to this year you know i would spend a couple weeks or a couple months on the road you know if you sold enough you go back on the road if not I'd take a one-way ticket back to the Dominican and I'd be on the phone calling right. people, getting orders, generating enough sales to be back on the road again. And sure. uh, since since our, you know, since uh, Xander Gregg has acquired Epic, I've basically been on the road full time since the first week in June. Um, you know, three weeks in Texas, then Vegas, back to Miami for a short stint. And I just finished the Northeast uh, tour in New York, New Jersey, uh, Philly, Atlanta, wow. Charlotte. And now we're here. Uh, yeah. I go back to Miami and then I'm in California, Texas and in Germany for three weeks. Check out Dean on the road if he's coming to a market near you. That's great. So that's a, a really unique opportunity that you have now to be able to focus on bringing the brand to more shops. Well, and when you as a brand owner or even a, a sales rep, you know, in the industry, when you can walk into a shop and you don't have to sell a cigar that day you don't have that pressure of you know i need to sell this week or this month i need to sell eight thousand or ten thousand or fifty thousand you're going to have a different relationship with with the retailer with the customer and uh, it allows you to to work differently and build those relationships which eventually you know turn into sales and yeah it goes back to that that's why i got out of real estate full-time because i was like man i'm not i'm out of the funds that i had reserved and I'm not here to chase a commission or push somebody into buying. Yeah. I got to build a relationship, like yeah. you said. And if it is what it is, and like you say, you got to go back to something that that allows you to bring that money in. So it's really good to see the fact that a partnership like this between Xander Gregg and Epic really, really works, and that understanding because there's so many different partnerships out there. I feel like almost every company has had them, whether they're public partners or silent partners, mm-hmm. you always have a mentor, somebody that's pushed you or somebody that's giving you advice or somebody that's helping you out along the way. Is there yeah. one particular one that sticks out other than Xander Greg for you that was it maybe maybe your cigar maker like that that is helping you extend your your credit so that you can be back? Oh, for sure. I mean, to be even to get to the point where Epic was attractive for, you know, for Xander Greg to acquire if I hadn't had the support from from Rolando and, and our factory over the years, you know, I never would have got to that point where right. I was making enough cigars that it would have been attractive. It for, just it takes so much. There's so much collaboration that needs to happen in order yeah. to make it make it work. It's never on usually on one person's shoulders. Yeah. You're always leaning on other people. So thanks mm-hmm. for sticking in there and thanks for making good relationships hey. because these cigars are great. Um, in uh, fact, the one that we're smoking now, I'll let you introduce it, but so I got introduced to this cigar when I went to the cigar company was having a release. That's the name of the shop, cigar company in Markham, uh, just north of Toronto. And they were having a one year or a grand opening, essentially. They had like sushi, they had music, they had dancers. They also have a barbershop in there. And it was just a really good night. And I went into the humidor and they are super knowledgeable about their humidor and i was asking them my one question was what cigar other than cuban can i not get in the united states and at the time they didn't know if i could get epic but they said epic is made by a local canadian and it's a really good cigar and they actually handed me this cigar because the reason i know it is because the uniqueness of this label it's 
got the E on there. It's no band, but it's all uh, leaf, tobacco leaf that makes it up. And I was just like, this is interesting. And I ended up looking up more about the company. But what is this cigar that we're smoking right now? So uh, we call it, it's called the uh, Epic Project E. Um, it's a, a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. Uh, it has an Indonesian Sumatra binder and Dominican Nicaraguan fillers. Um, we launched this cigar in 2017 at the trade show. Um, and the concept of the E uh, had basically just, uh, we were trying the, to launch the cigar before, you know, based on the FDA, you have to have all these cigars yep. in the market. So so we didn't have a label for the cigar. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. And at See, the time. Quick, uh, put a thing on it. Yeah, well, at the time, uh, Mick Grant, who's my sales manager, he said, "Why don't we? Why don't we cut like a tobacco ban? Like, let's let's come up with an idea so we don't have to order, you know, cigar labels and wait six to eight weeks." And so he designed a cutting tool uh, that cut out the e and the tobacco, and we lay it on, and then we use the same glue that you used to put the the cap on the cigar, right. and uh, we kind of ran with it, and uh, and it's it's been awesome. probably the top selling cigar that we've really? put in the market it's a limited edition um but it's it's probably the most sought after cigar the people who follow me follow epic that's the cigar that they really want to have in their humidor and uh, it looks really cool thank and you and it smokes really good that san andreas wrapper mm-hmm. it's interesting because san andreas wrappers can be anywhere from super dark to this kind of little bit lighter like colorado look to it mm-hmm. are you specifically aging the San Andreas for a certain amount of time for this blend? Um, not a specific, I mean, the normal the normal amount of time. We actually we buy most of the tobaccos in the Dominican. We buy from Hochi uh, a lot of our product, and that's one of the tobaccos that he brings in. So Why um, we what? age that cigar a little bit longer. We usually, we don't set that to, to market until about six months. Really? So before we ship, you know, after into the rolled. U.S., after it's rolled. Yeah. But the fermentation for the wrapper, like mm-hmm. it's not as dark as some mm-hmm. Mexican San Andreas. How does yeah. that achieve? Are you guys doing the fermenting? It's no. Or did Hochi do it? It's it's there. He does it. He okay. does it. Yeah. And we buy it. So you like the, the flavor profile. Yeah. The, like the Maduro wrapper that we use, we, we double and triple ferment that okay. ourselves. But the San Andreas, we, we actually don't, we don't touch the wrapper once it comes to us, you know, obviously with the exception of just choosing quality and, and, you know, color. This is super approachable. Like I would give this to a beginner. Yeah, I don't think it's off-putting at all. No, it's medium-bodied, medium strength, but a lot of complexity, a lot of flavor. Yeah, and uh, just the yeah, right amount. Really There's nothing one thing that like if somebody wasn't used to smoking a cigar that I'd be like, ah, oh, this may not be in your wheelhouse. I feel like this would just touch every palate in a good way. So nice job on that. Yeah, I appreciate great, it. Thank great you. Great job on blending this. Cool story behind it. I love the band. Just a great cigar. What was your first experience into cigars? You know, everyone has that. You know, somebody got them in or they've always wanted to. We're, you know, well, well before uh, Turks and Caicos, you were smoking cigars, I assume, right? Yeah. Or did you pick yeah. it up when you got down No, there? over my years in policing, I, I had a few cigars. And I had a friend of mine uh, who was a banker in, uh, in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. And this guy would travel you know, annually all over the world. And he would always bring back Cubans and he had the the sort of smoking room in his garage. We rode Harleys together, but he would always, you know, call me over once a month and have, you know, some Cuban cigar and cognac and scotch. And, you know, that was sort of when I really began to enjoy the, the process of, 
having process. a cigar and, Love that and, and sharing, you know, those moments. Yeah. Epic, epic moments. But, epic but moments. just that first experience of a cigar and a scotch to me was, you know, that stays with me from, from uh, let's go back to, you know, early mid 90s you know sure and that uh, was that sort of first experience and that and friendship somebody so he kind of taught you mm-hmm. like hey this is what i do and yeah so then as soon as you got into it were did you have like an off-putting experience right away or was it mainly like oh yeah i can get into this like no i enjoyed it from 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 the start from the get-go and after yeah. that it's just downhill from there because yeah. you just keep diving into more and more stuff well, in, in turks and caicos one of our project managers the construction guys was a big smoker he's he's based in florida and uh, he would come on the site every morning and, and be smoking a cigar and end his day with a cigar. And so a lot of days when I finished up with my real estate clients, we would walk the site, you know, walk the building as it was being built and, you know, smoke a cigar at the end of the day. And that was even before, you know, I did the Turks and Caicos cigar before I nice. started traveling to the Dominican. So yeah. isn't the cigar for me, the cigar at the end of the day, whether it be on the car at home or like you walking, walking through your your project it's almost like the best cigar. There's great yeah. cigars I've had in the morning, and I love starting my mornings with cigars. But there's just something about that either end of day cigar or that Friday yeah. after a long week, going into the lounge, having a good cigar, having good conversation, good drinks, whatever it is. That experience is it's just unique. I don't find that, you know, you can play sports, play hockey, you can do different activities, rock climbing whatever it is but it's not the same as this what do you think is so different about it is it the time to stop moving or is it the conversation or what do you feel really brings it to a different level than an activity well it's it's just that to sit and just disconnect you know or or have a great conversation with an old friend or just to kind of you know put the phone down breathe right relax and and just enjoy you know everything about the cigar the smoke the flavor the taste you know the silence of or or good great music in a cigar lounge in you know miami or you know sitting on your patio watching the sun go down it's just about taking those moments and and enjoying it you know and that's kind of you know we use that hashtag epic moments but it's to me it's epic moments is not about just about epic cigars doesn't matter what cigar you're smoking. It's right. like whatever cigar you're smoking is epic to you and taking the, that time, those moments to relax, reflect, connect with someone, an old friend or meet somebody new and, and have a conversation and be enjoying, you know, right. the art of, of, of a cigar. So being from Canada, obviously your cigar, I picked up your cigar in Canada. That market, you talked about it, your friend that got you into it smoking a lot of Cuban cigars being a non-Cuban cigar in that market in Canada isn't easy it's got to be somewhat difficult I mean the only reason I picked this cigar up was because the rep was telling me a story about it what do you feel like you know the challenges of that or what what things really help overcome that well, we the reason I mean, Epic is in Canada. We uh, we're distributed by um, by Alec Bradley Cigars in Canada, which is is run by Joe and Justin Bondi, a father and Great son. Great guys. Uh, Joe's been in tobacco for forty years yes. in in Canada. He's one of the most well known tobacconists, or, or not tobacconists, but well known 
cigar men yep. in, in Canada, right across the country. So I met Joe in 2013, no, sorry, 2014 at the trade show, the IPCPR. And uh, obviously, you know, he knew I was from Canada. He had tried a few epics. And in 2015, we were in the, at the New Orleans show for the IPCPR. He came by the booth again. We started chatting. He said, you know what, give me that Maduro. He said, I smoked it last year. It was good chatted some more he's a hockey guy i was a hockey guy sure he said you know what i want to bring your brand to canada he said right now we're just exclusively alec bradley but he said let's talk with alan rubin so we actually met with alan in new orleans that year and had a chance you know obviously to hang out with alan rubin and smoke cigars and sure. uh, he appreciated what joe was was trying to do and then gave him the okay to to bring epic That's as awesome. one of the new brands outside another of help. alec bradley another and, helpful uh, opportunity right yeah and we've been we've been growing every year in canada i mean awesome. the, the the margins are small it's a tougher market tobacco know, tax uh, up there holy cow 400 percent. yeah 135 yeah. percent in one area is i think markham that area yeah. is a 135 percent the wholesale cost was like holy cow yeah so yeah. a cigar like an epic that we sell in in the u.s for uh you know eight ten dollar msrp is 16 to 20 dollars in canada right. so wow. it's uh it's a challenge yeah that is a challenge and I, i'm sure too just the the whole cachet that comes with cuban cigars you know that's tough to overcome you know what's interesting since 2015 every year you know i get up to canada at least once a year to to do events and what i've seen over the years is it's shifting is it so the the number of cuban cigars in the humidors and these tobacconists and retailers are kind of dropping and the number of dominican and nicaraguan cigars are growing and you see the same thing i mean in, in germany we've been in germany since 2015 germany and netherlands and even uh some locations in switzerland and it's there's a shift that's happening because people don't want to carry you know a million dollars in cuban inventory right and you just it's not always what they're hoping it's going to be um and there's it's some still expensive great cuban cigars but yeah a good cuban in canada is a hundred dollar stick you know wow. like a bahike 52 54 right most of the Cubans that I saw up there were even in that $20 range. Yeah. So come in and get an Epic at 16 was actually a bargain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's great. Well, you're traveling around now more and you are a cigar celebrity. You know, people are going to recognize your face. I've had an experience before where I was just sitting in a lounge and somebody came up and recognized me and I, it kind of caught me off guard just because I know I was in a cigar lounge, but I wasn't at an event. I wasn't necessarily representing the brand, but it's interesting the way people recognize you because of the exposure you have. What is the most unique way somebody's recognized you that caught you off guard and that you're kind of like, oh, I wasn't expecting that right now, but appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming up to me. Probably uh, in Texas uh, this year in June, we... Uh we attended Cats Fest. It was the first time we, we mm. got to support that event. Yeah, shout and, out to uh, Scars for Warriors. Uh, yeah, Storm Bone, and, and hopefully we'll see him here this week. Um, great people. They're, everything he does, you know, that whole organization oh, does. So he's got a big team, plus, you know, all the retailers internationally. Most uh, of them are, are all volunteers, too. I mean, they I can't sure believe are. it. Like, there's every penny is going to the troops for yeah. Scars for Warriors. It's, it's a fantastic organization, and we've been, we've been supporting since actually the first time 
uh, I met Storm was here in 2014. Really? I did the Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, met him, and we had shipped, uh, for Epic, we had shipped 1,400 cigars to be part of this event. They had arrived late, and so the organizers with Rocky Mountain said, Dean, you know, we're going we're gonna to give all the uh, attendees a ticket, and they're going to come by your booth and pick sure. up the cigars. Long story short, we gave out about 700 of those cigars. We still had six or 700 cigars at the end of the show. And I had met Storm during the show and learned about Cigars for Wars. And I, and I said, you know what? I'm not sending these cigars back to Miami. We're going to send them to Cigars for Warriors. Wow. And so that was what started our relationship. So nice. it was fantastic. And uh, I'm sure he appreciated that. And plus he all the he veterans. did. And, and it was great for me, you know, to, right. to understand and learn about that. And being, you know, former law enforcement, uh, it's 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 just it's a no brainer to, right. to support the troops, military, and, and they do a lot for fire, police, you know, emergency right. services. So, uh, but to get back to your to your point in Texas, I hadn't been to Texas probably since 2016 or 17, and to go back this year and be at Cats Fest, I went to, went to go for five days, and I ended up staying for three weeks because so <laughs> many people came up to me that I didn't know who they were. Sure. And had met me at some time over the years and like, Dean, you need to go to this shop. You need to go to that shop or retailers coming up to me. Hey, I've seen you heard about your cigars. You know, why don't you come and see me? And, right. and so a five day trip turned into a three week you know, awesome. stint in Texas. So, yeah, feeling uh, pretty blessed. You three know. weeks in Texas is actually not enough time. No, it is no. so densely populated. Yeah. There's so many people there that love smoking cigars. Yeah. Shout out to Texas. I mean, you guys keep us rolling. It's a great area. I love going to Texas. I love the whole community that they have down there. Just a lot of passion around cigars. So keep it up, Texas. Everything's big in Texas. We love that. Being on the road a lot can take a toll. It can be a lot of draining. It can be a lot of great fun work. It's not always uh, glamorous, but there's also that opportunity when you're not on the road to get back and recharge Sounds like you have some good activities like motorcycling, kiteboarding, surfing. What is your favorite activity to do to recharge after you've been on the road for a while? You know what? It's it's hard to stay on the road if you don't recharge while you're on the road. So obviously, you know, having a cigar at the end of the day is, is great and it's kind of time to wind down and, and try not, you have to try not to do too much. I mean, right. if you, some days you see three or four shops, some days you'll see seven or eight, but you've got to keep that balance and for me it's just I, I get in the gym in the mornings or i go for my runs and that's what keeps me going i mean if i'm Active. not in the gym four or five days a week then then i'm slowing down and i'm not you know giving the best of myself to right to the customer you get in the gym the retailer, to so, yeah. work out get that stress yeah. level that down. just keeps the balance for me yeah, yeah i i started working out in the mornings as well i'm not a morning person i'm getting up at like five o'clock in the morning to work out don't kid yourself. It's not easy, but it was. It's it's fun to do it, get the uh, get the experience and get that activity going. But my question would be, and I haven't tried it yet, but if I'm going to try to do one of my activities that I love to do, which is smoking cigars, should I mix it with working out? So here <laughs> I am. I'm in the gym. I just lit a cigar. Dean, what is the next activity that I'm going to do? What machine am I going to go to to work out a little bit, get my workout in, and still enjoy my cigar? I don't know, bro. I don't know. Where are we going? I, I don't mix it. Are I don't, we going I'm not to going, legs? Not, yeah, Maybe probably legs. Little, exactly. Should yeah. we just do a little calf pumps? You <laughs> yeah. know, hey, 
Yeah. We're smoking cigars, doing our calf pumps. <laughs> you could do uh, like 10 pound dumbbells and just kind of like a you know glass of beer or something. Yeah. You know? Use it up. You don't. Yeah. You got to try a workout. Maybe that's the next thing we got to see on Instagram. <laughs> Little story on the Epic Cigar, Dean, and you go to Planet Planet Fitness. Uh, LA Fitness, LA Planet Fitness, 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 whatever gym's wherever. close. Yeah. Dean's gonna yeah. be on Instagram smoking a cigar, doing his little workout stuff. We'll have a whole routine for you guys yeah. later. Stay don't hold tuned. your breath for that one. Post your comments. What what activities and workouts you want to see Dean doing while smoking a cigar and working out? We want to hear from you. All right, Dean, final and last question. Everyone's humidor is unique. We all have different cigars in there. Maybe we all have one type of cigar in there. I don't know. I personally set up a humidor differently than probably you. How do you set up your humidor? Are you setting it up for different experiences to have, you know, you know, I like this cigar when I'm doing this, or I like this cigar when I'm eating and drinking this, or I have this cigar for my what I call moochie friends, you know, my friends that want a cigar yeah. and they don't really appreciate it. So how are you setting up your humidor? Uh, mine is, and you know, we, we talked about this earlier. It's kind of a mixed bag. So obviously when I'm attending events, even as a, uh, a cigar maker or brand owner, you, you, you get a lot of cigars and, right. and you get a lot of the great cigars. So I always kind of take them and keep track of when I got them and smoke them. I, I smoke as much other cigars as I can so I can speak to, you know, the my fathers, the Tatuajes of the world, the Camachos, the Davidoffs, and and share that experience with, with my customers and retailers. So if you like the, you know, the Camacho Triple Maduro, then maybe you're going to like, you know, the Epic Corojo or the Epic Habano or the Epic Maduro. So I, I like to be able to speak to that. And right. then, you know, I've got the the Padron 26 and the 64 yeah. and you know, and the you got to have those different cigars for different frames of reference. So you can relate to people. Yeah. So it's always back to that relationship mm-hmm. being able to relate. I like that. Yeah. So you have different cigars in there for all different types of moods yeah. or situations. Yeah. And then I've got stuff that, you know, the guys come over that's it's their first time. And I, I still like to put an Epic in their hand and kind of sure. take them from the, you know, the, Connecticut, the La Ruby, all the way, you know, into the Habano, Maduro, Corojo, and into some of our limited edition stuff. But 90% of the time, even if the guy hasn't smoked before, I'm going to give him one of my cigars. Sure. If it's someone I don't know, then, you know, I'm going to grab something off the bottom of the shelf <laughs> that, uh, or Good. a bundle stick, something used for mowing right. the lawn. So, yeah. yeah. As far as I've had the Maduro, I've obviously had this stick that, the, that we're smoking now, the E, Project E. I love that Maduro just for the sweetness it has. I think that is totally approachable. If, if I were to recommend somebody that has never tried your brand, I would say the Maduro. It's got a Cameroon binder, it that does. sweetness to it. Yeah. And then it, it also has enough strength to keep the palate hungry for more. I think it was a really good, hands down, great cigar. Nice I job I appreciate on that. the Maduro for sure is, is, is one of our top sellers. Uh, and we do actually here, we, we also have the Maduro Limited, which is a Maduro Forte, which is basically the same cigar. It's got a little more Dominican Ligero, Ligero so it's got a little more strength, and we balance that the flavors out with a little more uh, Nicaraguan Viso. Sure. But it's a full body, full body cigar of the existing Maduro. Nice. So you definitely want to grab one of those today and, and uh, try it and give me some feedback. So appreciate it, Dean. Thank you so much for being on Box Press. 
It means a lot. It, it means a lot to be here. Uh, I love what you guys are doing in the industry. Uh, and to be part of the Bovita family moving forward. And, uh, you know, I think it's great for our customers to know that we're taking extra steps to do things to take care of our cigars and, and obviously the Nat Seco brands and uh, Xander Gregg are big supporters of Bovita. So we're, we're excited to be here and uh, look forward to chatting again in the future. Awesome. Thank you all for watching another episode of Box Press, listening on your podcast platform. You can check out Bovard at BovardInc.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you all for watching. Have a good day. Bye.